Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of the Seabros Fishing Podcast. Just want to kick off today's show with uh, with a few announcements. First is we apologize for the delay in content over the last week or so. Uh, both of our boats went in the water, getting things clean, prepped, ready to go for the 2020 season. So we haven't had a, a whole lot of time to record some some fresh episodes. So um, stick with us. We have a lot of good stuff coming out. I think you're going to really enjoy uh, this episode of the show and uh, the guests that we have on today, who I'll introduce in a few minutes. But um, but we just wanted to, to get that out there. Sorry for the uh, sorry for the delays, but we'll we'll keep moving ahead and uh, and we're looking forward to to sitting down with some some awesome new guests and implementing some fishing reports as we move into the season a little bit further. I'll be. Well, Taylor and I will be releasing a um, a spring fishing report here this week, so stay tuned for that. One other update that we just received news on is we will be allowed to take four hire charter trips beginning Monday, May 25th. Uh, we're being asked to implement um, some of the same mitigation strategies that all of you are undertaking in your day-to-day lives on our boats, uh, social distancing, wearing the proper personal protective equipment, uh, hand sanitizer, hand washing, those sorts of things. So uh, we're prepared to do that. Uh, We have a great protocol in place aboard our boats. So we're really looking forward to getting back out there with clients uh, starting next week. So the fishing has been great and uh, we can't wait to enjoy it with with some of you all. So if you're interested in booking a trip, please don't hesitate to visit the Mass Bay Guides website, www.massbayguides.com. You can check out the rates and trip options there, and you can call the office 781-545-6516 to get a date or a couple dates on the books. We are booking up quickly. We have some prime dates still available uh, going into June, July, and August. Uh, but if you want to, uh, if you want to capitalize on those, please make sure that you you call soon and and get that squared away. Um, one other thing that we want to mention is we have uh, made some cool new face shields and and buffs um, and put them up on the Seabros Fishing website there. That tuna mark design, except they're in in a in a wolf pack um, cluster. They're pretty cool. We've sold out already on the first order. We expect the new order to be in this week. So if you're looking at um, getting some new gear, apparel, or just keeping yourself and others protected throughout this fishing season, the charter season, definitely check those out on the seabrosfishing.com website. They're right on the front page. You can order there. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Mass Bay Guides. Mass Bay Guides is our family-run charter fishing fleet that's based out of Situate, Massachusetts. We've been providing anglers with the ultimate fishing adventure for over 20 years. Whether you're looking to put together a multi-boat corporate fishing trip, a trip for your family, or you're an avid angler looking to catch a giant bluefin tuna, our crew will do anything it takes to make sure you and your friends and your family have a great day on the water. To book a trip with us, please visit the Mass Bay Guides website, www.massbayguides.com. You can search prices, trip information, and get the latest reports and links to our social media pages there. You can also find us directly on Facebook and Instagram and just search Mass Bay Guides. On this episode of the podcast, Dave Good, Taylor, and myself, we sit down for a couple cocktails 
discuss uh, what's going on so far for us um, in Massachusetts Bay uh, for early season, late spring, early summer, how the striper fishing's been so far. Uh, we also quickly evolve the conversation into how we're approaching early season bluefin, uh, what's going on kind of in the Northeast currently, what we're prepping for in regards to trolling and scouting in the in the coming weeks, and uh, just how we approach early season bluefin. So uh, we had a fun time talking about it, a lot of good, uh, a lot of good tips and tricks and opinions and and things like that. Uh, one other thing we also start to talk about in this episode is heartbreak stories. So get a little carried away with our storytelling, but from feedback we've got on, on previous episodes, it seems like everyone wants to hear more fish stories. So we try to keep that a, a constant theme in this one. Talk a lot about how the ones you lose are, are typically the ones that you remember most. So hope you all enjoy. Listen through to the end. A lot of laughs, a lot of good conversation. And um, enjoy this episode of the podcast. Thanks, everybody. Welcome to the Seabros Fishing Podcast. I do need some headphones. No, you don't. We're not doing headphones? I'm, I'm just monitoring your sound. Are you like where you want to be? I'm pretty you close. Look fucking extremely awkward. Well, I got two pillows behind me, which is like the first time in my whole life I've ever had two pillows behind me. <laughs> All right. When have you ever sat down and put two pillows behind your back? Actually, we added two pillows to our couch on either side upstairs like two weeks ago. And it was is this going to turn changer. into a sex thing? No. No. Like right. we legit added. We legit. <laughs> it's a game changer. Two it's pillows on l- a couch. Lumbar support per corner. Per corner. So like that's you fucking sit, weird. You sit back into the corner with two pillows. Yeah. I mean, that's I, weird. I, I'm a big mm, lots of pillows. You like lots you're of a big pillows? lots of pillow guy. Yeah, big lots of pillow guy. <laughs> I, I mean, our couch has like a million, and I'm constantly dude. Imagine a million pillows on one couch. Would be sick. I mean, we probably the, have, we probably have most, either the most comfortable, most uncomfortable couch. Be a huge pain in the ass to fucking yeah. get them all. Imagine trying to organize a million pillows. <laughs> now that we have that. Under control. <laughs> now, now that we got that, let's talk topic. about trolling for a tuna. Now we got that topic out of the way. We're almost. What are we actually talking about? We're almost dialed. Do in. we know what we're talking about? Yes, we do. Are you recording? Early season, leading into tuners. Yeah. Just making sure I'm not too loud here. My fingers hurt. Check, check, check. All right. Um, I'm gonna grab waters and then we'll start. It's recording, so we do. What do you want Ch- to talk about? I think we were saying <clears throat> start talking about like a like do a season recap, kind of what's happened so far, and then game plan to like talk eventually talk about tunas, like early season tuna fishing. What you think's hap- going to happen? Right. And I, like I said, what Brad, I'm we've like, already heard. Yeah, and I'm like, I think an easy segue between that is like bait. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, what are you seeing for bait? That's going to, you know, pogies are showing up. You know, there's lots of mackerel. You know, there's herring. Great herring. You know, so it's like... In shore, too. Yeah, so, you know, you're probably going to see a lot of the same things we saw last year, a lot of the same in sh- like, tunas in weird spots, you know? Like, you're going to see them, you know? The one thing I'm finding kind of interesting is how many small ones they're already trolling in New York. Yeah, you know? and in the canyons, too, like, in, in a lot block in and fishtails and shit like that, you know, 40 to 60 pounders. But the problem is, like, those fish never filter their way. I don't want to say never. 
in the past handful of years, they haven't really filtered their way up into the Bay. Yeah. They've kind of like stayed out, stayed east. out East or yeah. like, de- like down in Chatham. Right. Like some days you go down there and it's just acres of 50 inches, you know, right. you could, yeah, last it. year, I think we had maybe a handful of times out East shark fishing. You'd see all small ones, yep. but in this, what you think are small ones are still 70 plus inches. Yeah. You know, there weren't that many tiny, tiny ones mixed in. I'd, can you imagine if we had a run of, 50 inches again 75 and smaller be awesome be great for trolling it'd be awesome for trolling you ready right let me interrupt you i don't even know what we're talking about we're just rambling on about trolling trolling and two not even about trolling about new york yeah now guys are already catching them trolling they just filled up the trophy quota I think that we should just talk about how the season's going so far and what we're kind of getting ready for now. definitely going slow. Yeah, season's sure. been super slow. I mean, the fishing hasn't been slow. Yeah, really. I was going to say, you think Fishing's the, been good. Yeah, From, fishing's been great. The size has been very slow. Yeah. Yeah, the whole... Bat. Literally, today is like the first I heard of bigger ones showing up south of the Cape or, you know, I heard down in the Cape. I heard Yeah, I heard that a little while ago, but... So it's June June fifth. We're probably like, I want not two weeks, but we're a week and a half, almost two weeks behind for those bigger bass. Probably, you know, you generally would see a some push of bigger bass by end of May yeah, in those mackerel sure. schools. Same point though, like it's been off and on windy, like for I don't know what six months now since it's been the windiest spring that, <laughs> of all times. Yeah, it's been so crazy. I mean, two years ago, I was looking at my Instagram. We were getting limits of 45-inch-plus fish at the race, trolling X-Raps. Yep. You know, the second week of June. And, like, that's there's no way that that's going to happen. You I know, just we're think, way behind that. I just think that, like, the wind has prevented us, a lot of people, from getting out and, like, fishing the mackerel schools, which right. locally has yeah, been the, the... The inshore bait scene the last, like, week or so sick. hasn't been good. No, it's oh, actually been... slowed down? Yeah, well, I mean, Stone Ledge and stuff's been good, but, yeah. like, inshore, you know, within a couple miles, it's been an extreme pick. Huh. Yeah. Maybe they're out moving out to the bank. Yeah, you know? you'd think so. I know I know. guys ran into pogies and stuff yesterday up north Um, a little bit, and some max, but it hasn't been... It wasn't like it was like a month ago, like yeah. right when everything kind of got started there at the beginning of May, you know? But yeah, the size on bass has been super slow. Can't seem to catch anything bigger than 27. I have had a couple 28s like on the money in right. the river and stuff, but a yeah, lot and, of and even the bigger fish stuff. down down south, like you, you've been hearing reports, but it's not like good. You mm-hmm. can't go out and catch a dozen. Yeah. You know, it's like a couple big ones. Yeah, you know, which isn't. But the guys in Jersey, have you be. seen some of the bass Dude, coming out? Insane. insane. Yeah, pigs. So yeah. you know, I just think that they're, they're almost here. You know. It's yeah. Just, I think it's just a little. I think the bass are a little bit behind. But the question is, are the tuna going to be behind? See, I don't think so. I don't either. See, they're going to be here. Like when the big bass show up, the tuna going to be here. I agree. I think it's all going to happen at once. That's what yep. I. I was just talking to someone today, saying the same thing. He's like, it feels like it's two weeks behind, and I was like. I agree with you like up until this point, but now it's like everything is happening so fast. I'm like when it's, it's going to break wide open. You're going to have like five different options at your fingertips. I think as we move it, as we move past this full moon tonight. Yep. 
It just sucks that there's no giant tuna market, but yeah, you know, you could potentially catch and release fish. I honestly kind of hope we see a lot of smaller fish this year from a charter right. standpoint. You know, obviously it's a huge impact for the commercial side of things for the fishermen anyway, but from a charter perspective to be able to, you know, troll 60 inch fish, 50 inch mm-hmm. fish would be awesome. And even still, if you get, going on. you get a big one on a bar, it's going to be hooked perfectly in the corner of the mouth. Oh yeah. Nine, you know, 99% of the time. And yeah, you get them in fast because you get all that drag of the bar so you can get a healthy release on the fish. Yeah. So even if there are big ones that eat bars, it's going to be, it's going to be savage. Yeah, you know, if you're be. targeting smaller fish and, you hook a bigger fish. Yeah. But I think last year was probably like the first year in a long time that there was a lot more like recreational size fish on the bank. Two years ago, there was like a handful. Like you'd get into them. Every, like yeah. it was weird. They'd be like a few days where they'd be, I think you guys like, like there was one week where we got a couple, you guys got a couple right after. It was like a wave of like 60 inches that came through. But last year there was, you know, fairly consistent, especially at the beginning and then the end of the year, there mm-hmm. was a lot of, you know, recreational size yeah. fish kicking around, um, which sept- is awesome. September opening. Yeah. Basically everyone got, gi- we caught giants like all of August, every single day. And then September 1st, they opened the quota and we got four shorts <laughs> and everyone around us got giants. Yeah. It was weird. There was like, there are a couple days like that, even later September mm-hmm. where you get like three shorts in a row or, you know, then a giant, it was weird. You know, only like one boat in the fleet would get shorts. Right. Which would be great to, I mean, you guys remember like back in the day with all, like the days when there was just acres of 50 inches, you were done and, I mean, you had a, you had a fish on. You could on. get them and then go out shark fishing. Yeah. yeah. You know, or do whatever, change it up, go haddock fishing, get your meat and move on. I just remember like you'd stop to put your gear in before the bank and you troll hit the up. bank and it was like whammo. Yeah. Hooked up. Yeah. Sick. So I have so many days like that. I have a good segue here, boys. Let's hear it. To actually get this thing like... Speaking of which, this rum is absolutely it's delicious. Um, delightful. Where is this from? Uh, it's Pusser's Rum from the Virgin Islands. It's delightful. It's freaking delicious. A, a pure pirate beverage. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so if you're listening, you know what's up. That's it. Um, so my... Pusser's, send the check. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so my question for everyone here is, I mean, we've, we've talked about spring fishery a little bit, a little slow going bass fishing has been good. I know people are maybe anticipating giving some locations and spots, but that's not really what this format's all about. It's more about the actual tactics and stuff like that. So talking tuna and trolling early season, covering water what uh what's everyone's approach what's your like say there's lots of sand eels and a lot of 60 inches around versus a lot of mackerel and a lot of like 90 to 100 inches around are around how do you uh how do you tweak things hmm. i mean let's let's take last year like if we were to yeah. replicate last year you know let's talk maybe the bay and Stowagon. And then Chatham and earlier season down there, maybe Dave can talk about that a little bit. How are you approaching early season trolling? Or how are we approaching early season trolling? Really, it's just, for us, it's just covering water, you know? As far as, like, spread changes, not really that much difference in spreads. Might go with a few smaller 
bar, you know, smaller baits on bars. How many bars did you just rig today? Re-rigged? Uh, rigged, I think, 12 or 13 in about two and a half hours. Yeah. Rebuilding bars. And, like, 18 hook baits. Yeah. <laughs> just to give just to give people an idea of how many bars that yeah. we're going. I mean, yeah, we're fishing, you know, pretty much every day, and, and hopefully we are with everything that's going right. on, but... But all it takes is a week of good bites, and your gear is destroyed. Junk. Yeah, and if you if you you're know. fishing every day, you don't have time to re-rig main lines every single night. You need three of your starting lineup, you know, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we have, I don't know, we probably have three or four black bars, three or four pink bars, three or four brown natural-looking bars, three or four orange-style bars. A couple oddballs. A couple randos. And a um, shit ton of hook baits. Yeah. All weighted. Yep. As far as like colors, I wouldn't like change much depending on what we think the size of the fish are. I would kind of start with the the standard of what we usually fish, and you know if we know there's a ton of ton of sand eels around, and there's birds eating sand eels and whales going crazy bait balling sand eels, maybe throw one or two bars in the spread, slightly smaller squids, just to maybe match the hatch a little bit. But I honestly don't think it matters. I think it's just like it almost seems like those big, bright, ugly-looking squid bars is what actually like brings those fish up in sand deals. Yeah. Like how many transom bright orange or bright pink bites have you gotten when fish are eating sand deals? You yeah. know, I, I just think it looks like the squids are maybe attacking the sand deals and the, the tuna get competitive. Yeah, or it's but just a reaction. Reaction, button. yeah. You know? Like a cat chasing a laser beam. So if you guys didn't know if they were sand eels, you had no idea what the life was like, kind of what the bait situation was like. You know, kind of, I guess, standard early season bait. There's some mackerel around. There's some herring around. There's some sand eels, but it's not like rafts of sand eels and tons of them. Like, what would you? What would your spread be? And like snowing, on the bank. On the bank. Um. Uh, at least one black bar, one brown, like root beer style bar. Um, definitely one black and orange bar, and then either another black or um, some type of a pink and black bar. You know, four four bars. Start simple, and you know, probably the first day I would just put time in trolling like the whole bank just to see what's going on and maybe whatever looks really good be there during the tide changes and just work that spot for the tide change but other than that just you know try to circle the whole bank and work the whole edge all the way west side east side because you control the whole bank in a day yeah you know all the way around it and then maybe if nothing happens the next time you go out and i'd probably go out east and screw around out there and just cover water and try to find sheer waters and stuff out there yeah but that four bar combo, those those colors, you know, black root beer, um, trick or treat, and then like a pink or another black. That's like a a standard that you can put in the water anywhere, probably anywhere, anywhere on like probably from North Carolina. Like in the winter, if you ra- if you ran that down there, you'd catch probably pl- plenty of fish. And but certainly up here and you know Chatham, you know I know there's a lot of guys down there that run more like splash bars or or smaller squids and and some brighter colors but i think that that color combo you know and i I, i'll run some other different stuff just to change it up for sure but i think that's the four the 
four slash five best. Right. Yeah, I agree. Most colors. consistent biting. Yeah, colors. and the whole bird thing, especially for, <laughs> I mean, not to like pick on or pinpoint the like Chatham guys and stuff, but a lot of the, I feel like a lot of the bird bar stuff is because your riggers aren't super super high either like and you're yeah. running a center console and you're running a center console you know, trying to get them further out which makes sense where your riggers yeah. have more you know width but they don't have as much height right you know i think they the, definitely that, help they definitely that. help but for our boats with like the you know downy style outriggers higher you know the pins are higher in the air so we can fish kind of a little bit slower and bigger rigs without having to use a bird yeah not there's anything wrong with birds i just for up here, I like the quiet, like, trickle. I was going to say, that, that quieter presentation versus yeah. down there, you know, a lot of splash, a lot of action. I mean, maybe it's different, too, down there. You guys, you know, you're trolling, and sometimes in a bigger fleet, you might need that extra action to get them up. I'm not sure, but I typically would opt for those same types of colors. Yeah. Blacks, trick-or-treats. I think trick-or-treat and root beer. Probably, I probably got... After bl- after like a pure black with the foil, I think those are the two best colors. Yeah, yeah. But I, I do like I do like the pink. I maybe I haven't got that many bites on that color, but I do think it's a good color to have. Pink's a big fish color too. It, but it's also great because it's a brighter color. It's like right, it adds yeah. one other thing to another element. Bring them up, you know. It's what we were talking about, like you know, just a little bit before. But um, you know, that's really what. The, the bars are trying to do you know you're bringing these fish up and you know the one difference down in chatham is that we'd run you know some ballyhoos and a planer most of the time and those bars i think draw a lot of bites to the planer yeah. um and then even following that sometimes it just takes one bite on the planer to trigger the whole all the bites and they right. st- you know it, now they're feeding you know aggressively they're competitively feeding and you start getting a lot more bites you, you know you just needed that one bite on the planter to get them up um so that's probably the difference down there is that we would add two skirted ballyhoos joe shoots on your long riggers and then a planer ballyhoo mackerel what about speed and stuff <laughs> down there like any difference again maybe it's just because i grew up fishing the bank you know same kind of way you guys did that i like it slower I, you know um Four same yeah same yeah. same type of you know approach to fishing as we do up on the bank but again there's plenty of guys that crush it down there yeah. doing you know everything i just said the splash bars smaller squids brighter mm-hmm. color i mean guys are running rainbows down there yeah. and and running at you know six six knots maybe even approaching seven knots and still catching plenty of fish. So like we've always said, it's not, this, the fish that's, aren't that smart. And I don't think you know, they really care. Yeah, like they, you know, what you're confident in, you know, and, yeah. and how to run where the rig is and your spread and every boat's different. Yeah, I was going to say what works you for know? your boat. Like how right. does, I mean, everyone, that's the famous question is like, what speed do you run these things at? What speed do you fish at? It's like when they look good, that's when you, that's right. the speed, you know, sometimes it is faster. Like it might, the conditions might be, you know, you might have a hard current that you need to run up a little bit faster. Um, and it, so does, it does seem like bird bars outfish regular bars if you have outboards. Yeah. You know, you know like, it, I don't know, maybe the outboards have just way more turbulence. So, like, that extra splash on the bars keys the fish in to those bars. Yep. But, like, a down east boats, it doesn't seem to make a difference whether it's bird bar or no bird bar. Um, but for some reason, you know, like Brian said, just not only is it helping get the rigs further out and easier with the, the lower outriggers and stuff like that, seems like it definitely helps catch fish and yeah. 
I think it makes get it bites. I definitely think it makes it a little harder to see a bite though. Or a boil. Or a, for that's sure. what I mean. Like a big yeah. like a big fish boil behind right. the rig. Yeah, there's so much turbulence. There's so you much can't turbulence see it. it's hard to distinguish for sure. Mm-hmm. Or if there's weeds on your hook bait, you can't see it. <laughs> yeah. That's why if I was right. gonna add you know, if I was gonna add one to the spread, it would be in tight, you know. Yeah. A, a, a location, a spot in the spread that I maybe not as confident is going to get the bite, but it's, you know, it's great for generating bites further back in the spread. You know, it's right. pull, again, pulling those fish up, getting a bite, um, you know, on one of your, one of your go-tos. Like we, we got a lot of bites on the planer last year. I just think traffic and the way the, you know, there was a lot of fish on the mackerel down in Chatham versus, you know, when they're on sand deals and they're up on the surface, like, put up four of any bar and they're probably going to eat them right you know um i think it's also like your confidence level too you know like you're so used to putting it out something so many times that that's probably going to be the one that gets eaten yeah you know you get so confident with the how far back you run the planer so we ran we would run it you know probably 75 yards back behind the 50 yards back yep and then down we're got a lot of bites at like know 125 we run it off the lp so like we get it down like 125 feet you're probably fishing it 75 feet you know yeah um you know it has we'd run it off that lp with like the really light braid like 80 pound braid i Mm -hmm. think we upped it later in the season just because it was it was digging so hard um but you know you're fishing at 75 feet and it was just like crushing it that was a great you know ballyhoo's mackerel Got, got a lot of bites on both yep. down there on that. Planer's a great addition, I think, especially on the bank, too. I think it'd be a nice... I've caught fish doing it on the bank, but not never, like, dedicated a lot of time to it. Um, and if you think about it, too, if you're that far back with your bait, how many fish are coming up in your spread and at your bars, looking at your bars, you're not even seeing them, and then they're going back down all fired up, and then all of a sudden the swimming mackerel comes by their face. Yeah, or... You know? Or, you know, or it's on like the, the way up. thing in the spread. Yeah, yeah. Or on the way up. On the way up, they're like, you know, they're coming up and, you know, all of a sudden there's like a, a lonesome mackerel. Little nugget. Looking beautiful. Jolly <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, and they just, they nail that, you know. Because a lot of times we wouldn't see, we wouldn't see like any boils or anything like that on the bars. Wouldn't You wouldn't have any indication that the fish came up to the spread and then we're on the, you know. I think it could happen both ways, obviously. Yeah. But I just think that they come up on their way up and they're just like, cause you th- they come up a hundred plus feet up, 200 right. feet up off the, bo- you know, off the bottom or we were marking them in like one twenty, one thirty, ninety 90 on the bottom last, last summer early. And you turn around, they'd be on the rigs. It was like, it was like trolling over a blue Marlin. Yeah. It was insane. I've always said that. Like you, like in our medium, you know, the air, you can see how far, like, can they see that far down there? Like, who, you know, probably they can yeah. probably see a pretty good distance. Yeah. Um, I, I think it starts off just interest on the boat. You know, yeah. they're used to boats feeding Especially them. with the bigger fish, I think. Yeah, for sure. They're not scared to come yeah. and look at the boat. How many, how many fish have you had? I think we said this previously, but like, I'm, you know, getting a bait right in the water when you get set up. Dude, that's like the prime time. Like, that's why as sick as baits you, are sick. Cause yeah. like, if you don't have bait yet, just get, one get something in the water. Yeah. Yeah. Because as soon as you're shutting those engines down or, you know, you just drop the anchor, like all that commotion, tuna, t- you know, and tuna's And that's when react. you always mark them. Yep. Sometimes it's the only marks of the day. Yep. You're like, 
rigging your yep, first rod. Come right up to the boat. Like, oh, they're under the boat. And that's it for the whole yeah. effing day. Yeah. Yeah. You can say that for it. Well, it just sounded better <laughs> effing at that point in time. Because yeah. you were you were replaying what you'd say on a charter right. with children. Right. With children. Small children. Yeah. yeah. Really small. <laughs> Let's not make this weird. On a, sun, <laughs> on a Sunday, the weird. Lord's yeah. Day. We were just talking about a million pillows on a couch. <laughs> oh, God. All right. So we have like our baseline getting started spread, you know, comparing things to last year. Say we have a massive Sandio year, which we're due for up here, by the way. Yeah. It's, it's been, what, every seven years, or, right? Ten five or seven, seven years? years? I don't know. There's some bloom. I've heard 10. I've heard five. I've heard seven. I've heard seven's like the most I've heard. So let's say we get a crazy Sandio year. Yep. What's your approach? Ooh, that was like timed. Perfectly. That was crazy. <clears throat> What's my approach? I don't know. Fish the sand deals with bars, I guess. Yeah, for you me know? though, it's more bars, like yeah. like big fish with max and right. her- well, herring around, and not a lot of sand deals. Like the le- less is more. Yeah, troll but, more. Yeah, you know? but with sand deals and smaller fish, I troll more rods. Like Correct. I have no problem fishing six rods. Get in those whales. Get in those those. Uh, you know, sheer waters that have their heads in the water looking down at the sand eels. Mm-hmm. How many bites have you gotten just with like 20, 30 sheer waters with their heads in the water and oh, your dude, rigs are going through? Oh, the best bite ever. Yeah. When they're starburst, like starbursting sand yes. eels as they're eating your squid bar. Yep. Sick. Dude, you're getting me so excited right now. I know. I can't wait for that first bite. I'm glad we're talking about this stuff. Yeah, this tuna, is, this is super neat. Tuna fishing's great. <laughs> Uh, we had, we had, so there's a I lot think the of rum just kicked in a little bit for everybody. Did it? Everyone just got a little chipper. I think it was the tu- a chipper. I, I thought it was chipper. the tuna fish, but I guess it could be the rum. Yeah. You know, what the heck do I know? All right. So small sand deal mm-hmm. spread for me, it's six rods, same sorts of colors. I might run two blacks out back, like a, like a black and foil and like a red and black out mm-hmm. back, but everything else is the same. I might run something weird though in the middle. Yeah. Like a, like a purple even. Or you know what we're forgetting all about? Yeah, I know. I know exactly what you're going to say. I know. Dude, countless tunas on nine-inch Giants on nine-inch white sluggos. sluggos. Oh, yeah. You know what color is savage is uh, black and red. Yeah. We caught a ton on black and red. You know what's even more savage? The whites that end up in the same package as the blacks and red. Get a little (laughs) messed up. They get like the marble-like sort of color to them. They get smoked by tunas. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But honestly, we were... For what 2009, probably eight, somewhere in that area, when the sand deals were getting blasted by tunas, we were trolling two 130s on our short riggers. We were trolling one bar long, yep, one bar this. like right in the wash, and then two 130s with just nine inch sluggos and little J hooks. And those sluggos were smoking them. And we got several sellable fish on sluggos that year. Yeah. A lot of 75 inch stuff. Yeah, 80 inches. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Those things also caught a lot of 40 pound bass. Dude. Because yeah. there was so many big bass. There were. Remember I, that? Was, I was wondering, you like. You couldn't even fish mackerel in the bank. No. They were just going to kill Dude, I caught, I caught a bass on the green stick with Matt and it broke the break away. <laughs> I'm, dead, <laughs> I'm dead serious. Like, it was like June, early season, like trolling middle bank, like off in the deep because, like, Heard some I remember one. that one, yeah. Yeah, and then well, I think Dad got one. Dad got one out the there. It was like 180 the feet. Home, yeah. yeah, like the north side of the plateau. Yeah. You know what I mean? Had like three cigarettes as well. <laughs> <big bit>. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we had a we had like a 40 I'm just pound. Gonna go off into the deep. <laughs> I've been fo- I've been following that shear water for an hour <laughs> and a half. 
17 miles in the grounds. <laughs> Dude, that's the shit he says, though. And he'll, he's dead he'll, he'll follow birds for like 10 if miles. If anyone deserves a parrot to like be on their shoulder, 100%. it's OG. Yeah. That's the only thing he's missing is a parrot. And his parrot needs to be smoking a camel light, too, while he's doing it. <laughs> What's amazing is how long he fished with not polarized sunglasses. Yeah. He had like Calcutta baits straight out of Belsa Bait and Tackle when I yeah. used to work there back in like the, the seventh thirteen ninety nines. Like yeah. <laughs> they were like dyed blue lenses. Yeah, it shows you though, like you can't beat instinct. But he would just you no. cannot beat you instinct. You cannot beat He'd instinct. Be ripping a butt and just he'll see like one white turn. And yeah, be like they're under that. Well, that's the. <sighs> well, that's the difference. Like, the and sure as shit, the things doing the whole like hover. What one white turn and whammo, left rigger goes off. That's the difference between a lot of guys. They just go out and they're they don't have that instinct. They're not confident in what they're doing. They, probably as a product of not having done it long enough, yeah, you know, right? Or, or they're just getting into it. I didn't mean like as a it wasn't a negative thing. It's just they're getting into it. They haven't built up that you know knowledge base, and you know they don't know. Like they go out, they don't know where to set up. They don't. They can't read the conditions, or they can't you know say like oh. You know these these birds are on a pile of bait that is just deep. They ha- hasn't been pushed up yet. We're gonna work this spot, and mm-hmm, you know yeah. when they do come up, like this is gonna be the spot. You know you can go through an area and be like, it's, it's not happening yet, but it's gonna happen here. Yeah, right. You know, for sure. Um, like um, last year we had a day like that. We we got you got like a ninety something incher a little further north on on the western edge trolling, or like an eighty eight or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the next day or day after, we got that, like, 650, 700-pounder. Oh, yeah, yeah. Then the next we, day... I had the kids on the boat. Yeah, then, the, yeah. like, two days later, we had the Amish family on the boat. I have a picture of that, by the way. Did I send it to you? <laughs> no. They were, they were amazing. They amazing, were amazing family, but, like, it, it was 180 degrees outside. It was no wind. It was one of those like it was so early, cold. early hot days where the chum flies like just Dude, I'm, start to, I'm uh, to activate. Pretty sure you could see the bottom in 120 feet of water. That's, <laughs> that's how calm it was out there. And they're wearing like the full Amish deal, like the full regalia. Dress, the, oh yeah, everything. Uh, they're head to toe. I felt horrible. Yeah, and the Fortuna isn't the coolest boat. No, like, I mean there's no AC. Yeah. So they we, probably didn't. They probably didn't even phase them one bit. Those, no, they're no, like dude, super high work, and they're like probably like used to crushing. But but they wanted a giant tuna so, so bad. bad. So two it was, days. It was dude, grease calm. It was those conditions. It was yeah. the two days in July, where when they're over, you go to yourself. We're in the July blues right now. Right, like when like nothing is going happen. on. The water's too like, warm. We were trolling by schools of forty-inch striped bass on the surface, and they were basically flipping off the squid bars. And swimming the other direction. If striped bass aren't eating squid bars, you know. Like, and then we were casting the world nine inch an squids, end. sluggos, like right in their face. They wouldn't eat it. Wouldn't eat anything. Back to why we got onto this charter story, though. Yeah. Talking about OG and white turns and noticing little stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Remember, we worked our way east, and like it was the same thing. There was like a couple, like there was like four or five, like single sheer waters and like white turns, and like it didn't look great. And then we, Dad was like, "Oh, let's go down. Let's keep oh, going." Southeast corner. I was like, "I think we should stay here." Yeah. This was like, this was one that was like the trifecta. Like, I remember. Let's this. make a decision between Tog and Brian. Right. And I was like, "I think we should stay here." And then we went a little too far, and then and then like 
we turned around because I think one of the, the charter clients saw a tuna like back to our west a little bit. And right where we were, there was like five to six turns in sheer waters. It was like erupting with 500 pounders. Remember that? It was like pockets of them. Then Jesse came up behind us and trolled one in the middle oh, of the yeah, other one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that didn't start with much. No. You know? I just was thinking of a hilarious story while you were telling me all that. Let's hear it. This is back in the old boat. Um, I don't know. Early 2000s or something. Old boat, what? The old, Holland, the, right? The Holland, yeah. yeah. The old Fortuna. Um, trolling, I think, on the way home from ground fishing. And they wanted a tuna fish in the morning, so we actually trolled like on the way out there because we saw a fish out east like prior to. Went ground fishing, and they were like, oh, we'll put the rigs back out. So they put the rigs back out, and it's like grease calm. Nothing's going on. I'm like, this is a waste of time. Might as well steam home. And all of a sudden, like in the distance, I see like one dolphin jump. And then it was like 12 dol- dolphins jumping, and then like 50 dolphins, and then 200 dolphins. And next thing you know, it's like an acre of dolphins you know and he's like oh the tuna swim in the dolphins and this was like <laughs> og says this? og says the tunas yeah. are in the dolphins and i'm like dude it's like crystal clear like tunas can see every they can see like a crimp that's like you know on the reel that's how clear it is <laughs> and uh all next thing you know we're in the school of dolphins and there's like thousands of dolphins around us they're they're nipping at the squid bar on each side of the squid bars they're like going up and like hitting the the stingers with their tails and shit. Next thing you know, like, this was on the old boat, so we actually had the, the four outriggers. Yeah. And we had, uh, we actually ran two rods, like, up in the holders, up on the second station. <laughs> like, total schmeebs. Like, on the rod. But it was vicious, it. dude. That boat trolled yeah, like crazy. Yeah, that boat was unreal. And uh, everyone was asleep, and all of a sudden, like, we were in the school of dolphins. Everyone's awake. They're all excited. And I remember this old, um, old lady was on the boat. She's like... Are the, do the dolphins ever bite the squid bars? And dude, the words came out of her mouth, and the two long riggers just exploded, <laughs> and both went down, and it brought. Wee! I got two rods screaming line in the school of dolphins, and I'm like, dude, we just legitimately hooked two dolphins, and this lady is like, you know, human resource slash like, you know, save the dolphins type of woman. <laughs> And, she uh, volunteers at the New England Aquarium. <laughs> it, was, it was two hundred pound. It was two one hundred pound tunas in the middle of dolphins. But like typical, like OG, like ripping butts, just goes. You know what? I'm gonna troll through these. Like get in the dolphins. It yeah. was scary. Yeah. You know, we legit thought. I thought the whole time we hooked two dolphins. I was waiting for them to start jumping and shit and doing their little dolphin Dude, thing. That is unbelievable. I've always so been surprised good. that we've like never hooked a like a humpback or. You know, trolling like right through. Uh, that guy Doug hooked a dolphin. He said they fought really good. Oh, I bet <laughs> they ju- they jumped and shit. He said the scariest thing like it, it was at said, the boat. He right? said it fought like a marlin, like badass fight, awesome fight. But when he got by the boat, it knew that he was hurting it, so it, like wanted to bite it like a dog. So like it was kicking and like trying to eat his. <laughs> hand oh my God. while he was trying to get the hook out of its mouth yeah cut that yeah cut that line i'm all good with so that see you later yeah. <laughs> that's not that sounds horrible. on a squid bar yeah that's he hooked like, it and he said it was jumping like picture a dolphin with a squid bar attached to its back oh my god 
It's That's amazing. unbelievable. I don't want to have to explain why I lost my hand <laughs> to a dolphin <laughs> trying to save a, a, a $5 uh, hook. Uh, shark, shark attack? Uh, no. Yeah. No, just a, no, just a bottle of dolphin. Just a white-sided dolphin. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's unbelievable. No one would ever let you live that down. They'd like, no. you'd be... You try to tell someone like, "Oh, it was a shark attack," and they'd be like, "No, no, 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 dolph- <laughs> no dolphin. No, they're vicious animals." <laughs> <It was> a- <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So what were we talking? About? We're talking about small fish trolling spreads instinct. Dave, what what would your smaller tuna fish sandeel year spread be? Yeah, it'd probably be more bars. Same thing, like um, not to keep riding the same same train, but it's pretty a pretty consistent pattern. Like even even four bars. Most boats can really only troll four bars. Effectively. Yeah. yeah. For, for bluefins. Yep. So I would say, like, you know, four bars, if you can get four out there. If you can get more, certainly sneak them in there. But four well-placed bars trolling well is going to outproduce a, a pattern of six bars, eight bars. That, All day that, long. That aren't, that aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. That, right. you, you know, for the sake of... You know, just getting more bars out there and sacrificing, you know, quality in terms of spread right. and the way they're running. You know, if you're just trying to get more out there, it's not always the case. It doesn't always matter. I, I think getting them run to run properly, spaced nicely, um, that's more important. And I would probably, I'd probably add more, more blacks. Black. I mean, it's tough. If you could put, if you put four blacks out when you when. You know, back in two thousand, run all black. If you put four blacks yeah. out in two thousand and what what years were that? Two thousand. So we were in high like school. Two thousand five through ten. Yeah, yeah, right right after high school for us. Yeah. So yeah, that was like the big. I will say though, for these bigger for the bigger fish, I've caught way more bigger fish on brighter or natural colors than I have Same. black. Like like overall quantity, black outfishes everything. Yep. Right. But bigger fish, especially when they're up over like 70, 100 percent, 75 inches, you know, yeah, like those oddball, bright ass colors and the natural like browns. Yeah. For some reason, I don't know if it's like a, an instinct thing or not, but it seems like black. It's like 80 inches and smaller. Yeah, I agree. You know? I mean, there's probably a million people out there that'll prove that completely wrong. Right, but like it's you, also what you even fish still, too. Like if you look at pictures you know? from, you know, before we even started fishing, when yeah. they were really trolling a ton, it's all pinks, yeah. bright pinks, browns, and greens. And I know it's not there's g- really no blacks. And, there's really no, no and like those bright orange, yeah, bright orange. Tony the Tiger stuff. was like a huge color. Yeah, huge. Tony the Tiger was vicious. And not that there's like anything truly comparable, but. We kind of proved that up in Canada too. Yeah. Like when we were like messing around back right. in like 2011, 12, 13, like, like right when we started going up there and like trolling like hookless bars, the bars that got like the most action were the pinks and oranges. Pinks and oranges. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and all those fish are over 500, most of them anyway, right. you know? If you ever see a squid chase a mackerel or a herring up to the boat, they're always like reddish orange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like I, I haven't yet seen a squid that's black. Yeah. You know, I think that's more of a silhouette profile, right. time of day type thing. You know, dude, the theories are gonna just go on forever. Well, that's what this is about. It's disgusting. But the one theories. thing, one thing is going back to the sand eel deal. If I actually see fish truly eating sand eels and going nuts over sand eels, I'll take bars out of the water and put sluggos in the water. Yeah. 
you know, because like there's so many times that, again, going back to those same like 2004 or 5 through 10 when they were just eating sand deals like crazy, so many blitzes we would troll through. And one day you would not get a single bite going through thousands of fish on bars. And then the next day you go through the same look, the same looking school, all feeding the same way. And all of a sudden all the bars would go off. Yeah. But if you went through those with sluggos on both those days, you'd get bites. Yeah. On both those days. Yeah. So like I would, I would take some bars out and put sluggos in or, you know, Ron Z or whatever. Yeah. I think on the, uh, same same thing. It's a it's a huge pain in the ass to manage from a spread standpoint. Oh, but it sucks. A squ- uh, uh, an unweighted sluggo Dude, on the center rigger way back. way back. Yeah, is money. Yep. You know, especially when the fish are finicky. You know, maybe pull your spread in a little bit tighter and send that thing way back. Right. Give you know, give yourself plenty of room for that thing to kind of pass over your bars. So it's tough because of the sag of your line. Yeah, and it doesn't have any weight to track right. track straight. It just like. When you troll four bars, especially if they're fours of the same size bars, they track, yeah. you know, in the same manner. But when you when you put a slug oh, out, it messes it's all, everything it, up. So you got like, but it's great if you run like a straight line. If you're going to work a straight line and the, you know, right. and not be doing tons of figure eights and stuff like that. But um, I love, a, I love running sluggos when it's like a uh, wind off one of your sides. Yep. It's like a really heavy wind off yeah. like your port of starboard side. You can throw a sluggo on the long rigger. And the wind just carries it out like a hundred feet. It's almost feet like fishing out. it from a kite or it's something. It's like fishing from a kite, exactly. It, fish, oh. it goes like a hundred feet outside your spread, and it's just fishing like sick, way yeah. by itself. It's sick. One thing that I love, sand eels, no sand eels, um, is value, medium value hook bait behind the uh, root beer natural color bars. bars on the short riggers. Yeah. Not a big value, just a medium value. Yep. Chin weight, naked, naked, forty inch leader. Don't know what it is about it, dude. They that, love it. Behind they root beer. love it behind root beer. Yep. It's such a and the only thing that sucks is weeds, mm-hmm. but it fishes unbelievable. And blue and bluefish back in the day, like yeah, I mean, weeds and bluefish are a nightmare for it. But I hooked a tank one day up on like the up on the high ground. We were trying, like, you remember how you'd go through a school? Like as soon as you passed over the high ground, you'd have six a million bluefish on the rigs. Yeah. I wish it was like that now. Yeah, like you would avoid the <laughs> flyers yeah. because it was so yeah. many bluefish. We uh, we were trolling up through there. It was a it was a new a boat that I had. It was the first time I fished on it. Don't know anything about the gear. I'm like, but the troll might have been pretty good. So we were coming up, and he just kind of went edged a little too up too high up on like the high ground there, and four rods go off with with bluefish, and I'm clearing, you know, on the port side. I clear those two, get the you know get everything squared away. Go go to the starboard side, get one rod get it in and i go to crank on the the fourth rod that has loaded Tuna. up with bluefish and i and i i can feel the bluefish i'm cranking and all of a sudden the line goes slack and i'm like what the heck and i like i take a few cranks catch up to it get the weight and all of a sudden it just starts absolutely peeling line and it's on a 70 so i'm like cool we're good like the, you know we just hooked a 500 pounder came up and ate the bluefish that was no on shit. on the ba- bluefish ate the squid bar and like i mean it had to have been like a yeah. pretty good sized fish came up and ate the bluefish on the back Especially of the squid get bar the hook out of the bluefish and hook itself and hook itself yeah and it is absolutely smoking this 70 and i'm like we're good though like we're you know we got plenty of line and i'm like everyone like you know get the stuff like we're going he's and he's clearing right out to like you know the open water everything's perfect 
I look down the reel and it is, I, I see the worst case scenario. <laughs> What? Straight mono. <laughs> <laughs> he has like three feet of 200 Dude, pounds. It on was it. like, and it was like 130. So there was probably oh. like 350 <laughs> yards of 130 straight to the arbor. Oh, I'm like, Let, go, go, go. <laughs> like, you know, and he ended up, uh, did he strip you? No, he didn't. He ended up like, I don't know if he broke us off or got wrapped up in something, but we we ended up losing him. But somehow, but I just remember looking down. I had that same experience with Tucker one time. He was running a boat for someone and, you know, hooked up on a 130. Like it was at the whiting ground, same thing. And it's running and we're like, oh, everyone's clearing lines like very casually and we're getting everything squared away. And like, I forget who was on, it might have been Andy Lavelle on the reel. And he's like, it's all mono. It's all mono. And like, we're like, everyone's throwing stuff everywhere and we're backing <laughs> down hard on this fish. And now uh, we ended up getting it. It was like 500 pounds, but like on a 130, like, what kind of monster rigs a 130 yeah. with straight mono? Like, <laughs> Like it's nineteen eighty two. That's so good. Oh, so so John, funny. Johnny Galvin loves mostly straight mono. But on his like fifties and stuff, yeah. right? Oh, true, yeah. yeah. On his lighter stuff. Dude, there yeah. was a lot of guys when, when the bluefish bite was crazy at Peacot Hill. There was a ton of guys that were catching them on Niners rigs. Giants. Yeah, yeah. you'd get like one. There was that, a half a dozen fish. They were caught, like yeah, like actually landed. Landed on them. and killed on like one thirteens and one fourteens with like eight umbrella rig hooks in their gale plates and shit because yep. they eat bluefish on niners rigs yeah i never had one <clears throat> i never had one eat a bluefish on the niner rig but you'd have them come rip through yeah you know because we'd start the day off like in high school we'd go you just start your day off shoot over you know to the race you'd be grabbing your bluefish and then coming around to peak at hill and like i can't tell you many times like you'd be in 12 feet of water and fish would come ripping through like it's not crazy it? so good absolutely crazy I, I hope that bite happens again that bluefish bite it's yeah. frustrating as hell because you got to get bait and like deal with all that but yep. dude there's nothing better it's than also a, a lot bite. it's also a lot more of a lottery than it is like kind of is yeah fishing like actual stuff better structure and right tide you know the tides are such a nightmare there it's like i feel like your actual bait presentation window when you're fishing smaller stuff like Maxis, there it's just it rips so hard most of the time that you, you I don't get a short window. You get a very short window. That's why it's kind of like high baits, yeah, high baits and kites, yeah, and then sneaky stick baits there too. Yeah, that's yeah. a great like adequate. You know, especially like you get on the tide change, fire down a stick bait. Yeah, get a lot of bites on that over there. Taylor and I were talking about that in the shop rigging re-rigging bars today is we wish we fished there more last year yeah there was so many days especially like opening day when those eight trillion boats on the bank like why aren't there guys i'm sure there were <laughs> quite a few boats going to peaked hill and stuff but dude there are so many fish fishing on the bank and fish down chat i'm like they're at peaked hill why yep. aren't guys fishing peaked hill and why aren't we going to peaked hill to get away from some of these some of these guys you know yeah. space ourselves out a little better it's so hard. There's so much space there. There's so much ground. I, I Miles. Was, I was just, as we tend to do, just staring at charts the other day, and just I, I'm like, God, there's so many spots that we never fish. You know, like yeah. just, you know, especially when the crowds are, you know, heavy, like on a Saturday or when the, you know, what opening day or whatever, go into some of these random spots. Right. You know, it does take. It's hard because it takes a little while to like figure them out. But peak at hill, like you've already got to figure it out pretty much. You kind of know like the game there. Like yeah. I just, you know, if you have the right conditions. I mean, we talked about it at the beginning at this time Northwest, last year. Northwest fifteen. 
we said it like we're yeah. like we're gonna fish it and, and we had a yeah, few of those hill is like, just to stop at the corner grab all your bait you need go down a peak at hill yeah. and be by yourself and you can just keep going down the backside and still be by yourself even if it's an extra five miles like it's either it's either that or you're just gonna sit in the crowd of a trillion boats yeah yeah you know maybe that's maybe that's what we should do on saturday and saturdays and sundays just go by ourselves and the other thing down there down too there. is like you even in the summer like up up here i think that the fish will respond to a troll at peak at hill it's almost i know that you guys trolled like through a lot of the summer last year the majority of the summer but like at peak at hill in years past you could troll up Amazing a fish at, trolling yeah we yeah. were just saying that the fish that haunts me from last year is um i've been wanting to fit wanting to troll peak at hill like all early summer basically mm-hmm. and it was like august 1st it was our last day of trolling we were like we bait fished the week and a half prior we decided to just troll for some reason that day because i think we wanted to go bass fishing down at the race and uh so we go out. we'll just troll the morning and you know hit a few areas we haven't hit yet trolling and dude we were like you know on the edge in the deep water like just past peak of hill we literally hit that edge in this 100 inch plus fish like the biggest fish I had come up all year, easily 700 pounds, comes up and takes the bar, has the whole squid bar in his mouth, goes airborne to the point that I could basically measure him with my own eyes. <laughs> Did he have the upside down Dude, uh, mouth? The upside down, like sad face mouth. Dude, the sad face mouth is like <laughs> what you dream about. <laughs> Those this fish is sad face mouth with like four root beer squids in its mouth all at once. Sideways, does a hang time, and it was just me and one other charter guy. I saw it. Came, I said we were on before the thing even hit the water. Came back in the water. I'm like, oh, we're on. The rigger never even popped. Just can't. Just it was like suck the bar. It was down. almost like a dream. Like it didn't even happen. The fish just came up, exploded on the rig, out of the water, came back down, pulled the rig like 20 feet underwater. The rigger never popped. Nothing ever bent. And it was like, why do we even do this? Dude, That's literally I have, what I said. I have a similar... I'm never tuna fishing Dude, again. It was horrible. <laughs> I, I could, it's so clear in my mind when I close <laughs> oh, my That's eyes. the worst. It's horrible. I have Still one, haunting me. I have one. Uh, I actually didn't see the fish. This is like me living Matt's vision through this story. <laughs> but we're, all, we're on Al Dente, 37 uh, billfish sport boat. With uh, Nick and Matt <clears throat> down at Peacot Hill. This was like four years ago. And it was like kind of like a weird bite. Like there were like a, a few fish on the bank, a few fish at Jeffries. There was like a good pick down at Peacot Hill. We went there. We set up like right on the one, like right in 130 feet ish, right along the pot line. And uh, it was like one o'clock in the afternoon. Grease calm, falling tide, facing like. You know, down the beach, Matt is like sitting there. I'm like half asleep, like totally rubbernecking, like super hard, dude. Like this is like pre Red Bull. And speaking uh, of that, yeah, where is my Red I'm gonna Bull? get you Red Bull in a minute. Okay. But um, all of a sudden, I just hear Matt go yell like this is all he said. I, I'm not even able to say because I'll laugh too hard. But he just goes tuna, 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 tuna. <laughs> <laughs> like like uh, Ernie and Bert when uh, what is it Ernie whatever Bert and Ernie yeah Bert and Ernie, Bert and Ernie. he's like fishy 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 fishy, fishy. <laughs> that's exactly what it sounded like and I look I like look up from a daze and all I see is like sickle tail like just going down 
Dude, the space between the sickle fin and the tail, the thing was easily 800 plus, like absolute corker. But he just came up like right to left, didn't leave any splash, like one, the worst. one little glassy Lazy. boil, one rip at the kite bait, and that was it, done and over with. Like That was the whole day. That was the whole day. You uh. wait that whole moment for a tuna, 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 tuna. <laughs> Dude, it was so freaking funny. Oh, man. It's funny how the ones that you don't catch are the ones you remember so mm-hmm. vividly. Yeah. Probably because we have more of those. Just yeah. break the heartbreak, lose them. We, we had a solid dozen, maybe closer to 20 fish last year hit bars that we never hooked. Yep. And I don't even, I shouldn't even say hit bars, came up and decided last second not to eat Swirled a bar on them. Still mm-hmm. made the explosion that you would think would be a bite. Yeah, and would and the hole would be so big it would still suck the ball, suck the bar underwater. Oh, like when you talk suck dirty the to bar me. underwater. <laughs> um, it's just like it's tough to deal with because like that is the whole freaking day, and yeah. it could be the first ten seconds or the last ten seconds of your day, and it's like same, sucks. Same thing with like fish and bluefish at Peacock Hill. Like you, some days you'd have a fish come up and like chase a bluefish around, and then just like lose interest. Right, he'd chase it feel the line just or something. chase it for a minute and you're like we're you know this fish is hooked Dude, for that's, sure that's the shit that makes you like mumble to yourself when you're walking around your house you're like while you're drinking rum yeah august 7th uh fish in the kayak going tired uh we used to miss the fish and the kite. Fish and the kite. <laughs> <laughs> I used to, I fished uh, me and like t- two of my buddies. One f- one of my buddies that like I fished commercially with, like in high school all the time. His dad owned two boats. He owned um, like a rod and reel stick boat that was Depersia's old boat. Okay, and then he had a sick Terry Jason, like a thirty five thirty five T Jason. Yeah. yeah, and then he had a a big like center console, was bl- uh, a bluefin, like a twenty eight bluefin. It was rigged to the gills. It was awesome. And uh, it had a live well in the front of the boat that was like the three of us could lay in there and <laughs> probably have a great time. Yeah, <laughs> and it wouldn't Just be turn weird. the lights down low and you know <laughs> cuddle up in a tuna blanket. But uh, but we used to, like even in a rough sea, you fill that thing with water and just like plow down. It was That's the thing sick. was a tank. But so we uh, we used to come, you know, we'd go like party up all night and then like you know jump on the boat early morning, blast out. And I remember like we went. God, I want to say like 10 days without a bite, which is brutal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot of days. A lot horrible. of days. And uh, and then finally we hooked one like on the 11th day and fought it for like an hour plus. Just an absolute hog. Because all those fish down there, they were they were all sad. All plus, they're getting that, they get that tide, though. And it's yeah. like a 105 plus. They were all sad-faced tunas. Yeah. They were all, like, <laughs> the tunas down in Peaky Hill look different. They oh, have yeah. those yeah. bigger mouths. Like, they have, like, barnacles yeah. on them. When they, when, they, <laughs> yeah. when, they chase a blue, when they chase a bluefish and they come out of the water, it's, they're all sad-faced. Yeah. All yeah. sad-faced tunas. Yeah, 100%. I think their eyes are black. Dude, they're, they're like, so sad. Eyes. Like, yeah. so sad. Like devils. Sad face. <laughs> and uh, so we, we ended up breaking them off, and uh, which isn't even the worst part of the story. So we, we lose this fish, and I'm like, and my my buddy and I are like, I just can't do it anymore. I'm, I'm, I just never, I'm never fishing again. <laughs> and and uh, so the next day was going to be like cranking wind, northwest, yeah, blowing like crazy. And we're like, you know what? 
we've earned it, a beach day. And so we sit at the beach like a couple of pickles and his dad calls him. He was like, is a goddamn bloodbath over here. Boats are on their third right now. Like you need to get in the fucking boat and get out here right now. So we are scrambling from Green Harbor Beach watching other boats leave the harbor and we are blasting to the boat shooting out there and by the time we get there it was literally all over guys are hanging like i'm not even kidding i think the worst boat there was like had broken off one but was hanging one like that was the worst produced there was only like eight boats there yeah and all of them had multiple multiple bites and i'm sitting there like I hate this shit. <laughs> uh, we just blast out there in the afternoon like a couple of idiots. Like, I think we were going to snag one. Like, oh. But here I am still doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's addicting. Oh, God. Peaked Hill days are, the, are so frustrating. Yep. I lost my first real big one on a bluefish at Peaked Hill after like two and a half hours <clears throat> right at the boat. Missed him with a harpoon. Went into the corner of the boat, chafed the line, and then did like. 10 more pinwheels and broke them off. Well, and t- I was like so livid because I could see him like the whole deal. The next day we went out the same spot. We got like 800 pounder. That was my first big, big one. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the tough parts about like fishing there with the bluefish is like you need to let them eat and they Forever. like their yeah. swat. You know, that hook is fucking gut hook 99% mm. of the time somewhere shitty, you know, in their gills or something. So like you. You know, even though you're using heavier leader, getting a lot of kite bites, you chafe a lot of fish off there. It's a lot of heartbreaks. A lot, of, heart, a lot of heartbreaks there. Heartbreaks are where you learn from, though. Absolutely. I had one three years ago, two or three years ago, with Jay Graham on his boat. And it was like, I got one with Jeff a day or two before. That was like 700, 650. Somewhere in there. That was that one that uh, we broke off and then we followed on the dart line for four hours. Yeah, that sounded like a fun day. Yeah, that, we got that one. So that, that, one, that one's not, it doesn't qualify for this type of story. But so there was like a day or two later, back, same area, a lot, lot more boats there. And uh, we just like happened to like get on like one of those, you know, when you get on the bait and it's like, you're catching like, like, ev- you feel like everything. You're the only one. Yeah, like you're catching. Yeah. I think we were catching herring, mackerel, squid, bonita. Like it was insane. Like the live wall looked like something out of the aquarium. Yeah. And we had a squid at like 60 or 70, middle floater. Never marked a fish, never nothing. And it was just one of those eight and instantly went away from the boat. Like you're in, like immediately into the backing. Engage backing. Engage backing. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so we we walked him out of the fleet, chased him down forward for a while, and he did like good drag on him. He was like swimming away from us. So we like lifted him up and he was like sickle tail swimming away from us, like black backed on the surface. Thing was all of eight hundred. Probably nine. We got we got that thousand pounder like a week later. Yeah. And uh we had the fish like settled doing pinwheels of fifty feet and um we got the swivel on the rod three times. And just the way he was pinwheeling, the way Jay's rods were, like they, it wasn't loaded. So when that swivel was coming in and out, it was coming out in and out at like way too hard of an angle. Yep. And we didn't b- back away from the fish or like you know try to like actually pull the line off the reel to get the swivel in and out. And we fucking crotch broke him like in the tip with the swivel. Like li- like dude, I'm telling like 
Pritch had enough time to like line him up again, like as he was pinwheeling away from the boat and throw the harpoon. That's how close we had. Oh, uh, close we had the fish. It was an absolute tank. One real bad one, uh, two years ago. We hooked one right before a northeast blow, always. It went from like a six inch chop of a day to a. Three, Which one is this? Is this, the- this is the one with dad that the person recorded it on their phone and I can't even watch it. Because it like gives me so much anxiety, I want to throw up. <laughs> so we fought this fish for three and a half hours at at full drag. Like after the first hour, we were, oh, we were at, I full, remember at this full drag fish. at like 65, 70 pounds yeah. with my hands buried in the spool on 130 fluoro. Like we were putting 100 pounds of pressure on it for the last like pinwheels. Like it's just dead stopping them. That was the only way to get them up. And it was just getting rougher and rougher for three and a half hours. And I, we had them pinwheeling leader in the rod he pinwheeled probably 12 to 15 times with the leader the swivel one coil around the spool of the reel and dad threw the harpoon three times and missed them all three times like just the tiniest bit high finally hit him like in the fin or something bounced off did a couple more pinwheels and we chafed him off onto the boat and the charter like i remember the charter looking at me because it was the whole day. This fight was like the whole day, and the charter yeah. was over. And uh, the charter was looking at me like, that didn't just happen, right? Like, we didn't just lose it, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I remember oh, him, yeah. Yeah, him we look- did. <laughs> <laughs> they were looking at me like, like I'm, I'm dreaming, right? We're all like, legit <laughs> looking at me sideways. And I'm like throwing the harpoon in the ground, F-bombing and shit, and it's like, and this one of the dudes on the charter fought it for like two of the three and a half hours by himself. He was a he was a beast. He was nasty on the reel. He's one of the one of the good guys on the reel. And uh, when we broke the fish off, it was like straight up heartbreaking. Worst I've ever felt for a charter that put like their blood, sweat, and tears into fighting this fish, and to break them off after throwing the harpoon three times. Like it was just like all right, you know, the next circle. He's staying on the hook. The next circle will get him. And like, just, you know, all could have, should have, would have things. Should I have just like loosened the drag and not put as much palm on it at the very end? But it was like, it was rough. We fought him for so long. I mean, there's definitely things. It was one of those ones where like the hook was in the hinge so good that the actual hinge of the fish was breaking off. Mm -hmm. Like the hinge was out like six inches away from his face. So there was like no chafing happening. Yeah. It, it was, wasn't in the corner. We it was straight like up broke up. 130 floral, like, in the middle. Yeah. Like, we, that's, a, that's a shit that happened. Well, it was, it was probably horrible, chafed dude. it from, little break, bit, from yeah. breaking, you know, right. coming through his But it broke at 80 time. pounds. It was like, kapow! When the rod, like, bounces eight times in the holder. That's the worst. Dude, it was so bad. We hooked one, like, in, like, a hard northeast blow at Peacot Hill. Fish came up and ate the kite, like, chased it for forever it was it was sick uh it was on the t jason and um running around like just the fish can't come up like rip on him rip on him like and uh finally ate it we fought him for like a couple hours and once we got up on top of him though like he was down maybe like 60 feet and like he was it was blowing northeast, so every time he'd run off into the deep, like we couldn't back up and get up on top of him, like for forever. And finally, we like we got him up to like forty, and it was just like we're gonna be here forever because he's just every time he'd come on that out circle, he'd run out 
you know, and we're backing hard into the wind and just getting absolutely Smoked the shit kicked out of us. So <clears throat> he's down at like 40 feet and they're like, it, my buddy's dad was a really good fisherman and he was like, it's like, we're just going to, we just got to throw at him. Like, so like every time he'd come on that bottom circle, they would, they were, sh- you know, pushing straight down and like, I mean, we were close a few times. Like that's a, that's a long way to be throwing a harpoon, yeah. you know, like, but there was, we couldn't lift that fish and we broke him off. And when we came around the corner, it was outgoing tide with that Northeast. Oh, God. Dude, it was like 10, 12 footers at like at the corner. As soon as you got past it oh, into yeah. the bay, it was fine. But like, dude, gnarly oh, right at the tip God. there. It was, it was brutal. And as soon as we came around, we started marking fish like right there. Yeah, like, you wonder the, if you should put another bait yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if I can do that to myself. <laughs> well, think, it's, at some days, you're just like, kind of like, fuck, I just want to go home. Yeah. You know, it's such a bad fight. Like, do you yeah. want to do it again? Yeah. Like, that's basically what you're doing to yourself. Like, the one with Guap two years ago was the last trip of the year uh, in October. And we were sitting there and, like, nothing was going on. It was basically us and, and Bill, uh, a little north of the notch. And all of a sudden... Uh, Guap goes, oh, look at those dolphins. And they were like, dude, there were so many weeds. It was like straight up in the canyons. Yeah. And like the kelp was bad. Yeah. To the point we couldn't put a bait in the water. There's so much kelp and weeds and shit all over the surface. And every two seconds, I was just reeling in a bait and like firing it back out because it was so bad. And all the fish were eating like 30 and 40 foot floaters, mm-hmm. uh, mackerel. And Guap's like... Look at those dolphin! Like he saw like a couple like little porpoise type splashes right behind uh, our far floater. As I'm reeling the far floater in, this happens, and then uh, my dad like comes out of the, the wheelhouse, and we're both looking at it as I'm reeling it in, and I'm kind of reeling it in a little faster because I wasn't sure if it was dolphins. I wanted to like get the baiting kind of quick, so now the bait's like 50 feet from the boat, and this whole school of 800 plus fish come up, like woo woo woo, eating little tiny butterfish and like tinker like mackerel underneath, underneath the... the weeds like they look like they're eating the weeds like they're in the weeds and uh finally like i'm like now i'm hauling ass reeling in this rock because i know there's weeds all over the mackerel and we weren't gonna get a bite so like i pull the mackerel in as fast as i can i rip the weeds off its face i have guap like get a fresh mackerel we put it on we pin it on i put it back out we get it like the fish all go down obviously i get it out like 50 feet from the boat and we're just like talking, like nothing's happening. Maybe it felt like five minutes went by, but it was probably like thirty seconds. Guap's like, dude, I think those were porpoises. My dad and I looked at it like, dude, those are like eight hundred grand. Like, those are those are huge fish, like tail sickles, giant. You know those thick oh, fucking yeah, black dude. tails, that yeah. huge tails. Yeah, and uh, you know they didn't jump, but they like just broke water yeah, while they're, they're too eating. Big, they're too dude, big to even get their body yeah, out. Too of the fat. Water. And all of a sudden, like I'm, I'm turning the guap, looking at him behind me, going, "Dude, I'm." Those were 800. To boom! All of a sudden, the line rips out of my hands. The fish eats and goes directly perpendicular underneath the boat. And I haven't free spool. I haven't even set the hook in the fish yet. I'm in free spool with the rod tip underwater, and we're sitting like sideways to the way the current was going because the way the wind was. So we get off the ball, spin around. This fish is just like completely owning us. You know, like 40 pounds of drag, doesn't care, just 500 yards out, first run. We back down on it for a mile and a half, almost to Bill's transom. We're telling Bill to get off the ball. He, like, gets off, and then the fish turns. 
We back down on it for a mile and a half. He gets caught back in our original anchor ball. Gets caught in that. Then turns around, goes back to Bill. This is no joke. Goes back to Bill's, almost tell him to get off the ball again. And then turns around and goes back and gets tangled in our anchor ball again. <laughs> Fought the fish for two and a half hours. Obviously, now it's like a heavy, heavy southeast wind. Like it was calm when we hooked them. And then the blow came because they always eat right before the blow. It's like four to five foot solid chop, like teeter-tottering in these waves. And I'm just like, oh, we're going to chafe them off. We're going to chafe them off. We backed down on them, black back. We had a, probably a harpoon throw if we had the rear station that year, but we didn't have it. Um, all 800, 110-inch, 115-inch fish. Backing down on them. We finally get them into like these weird figure eight black back oh, things that weren't. That, dude, horrible. <laughs> and I'm like just waiting for the line to break. Dude, we got him all the way up and he's sitting there broadside. And I'm like, eh, he's a little deep. And then he just kind of did like one more pass out. And then we chafed him off. Turned his head like After out. two and a half hours. Oh, and I'm like thinking to myself, why didn't I just like at least try to throw it? Yep. You know, but he was just like the leader was still off the rod. You know, you're still 25 feet down. It's so hard when you get him broadside that you're like, if I just, if we just keep chipping away, yeah, he's gonna one come more right circle in. done. I, you know, yeah, I had, it was miserable. I had one. This this one is like absolutely terrible to think about. And uh, <laughs> we're we're at, again at Peacock Hill, like kite fishing, and uh, got out a couple floaters, and like we're getting getting the kite up, and uh, so it's a couple of guys like had got a bluefish on the kite rod with like the, I don't know if I told this story on here before, but um, so he's got the, the leader, the swivel is right at the tip of the rods. Long, you know, there's the long rods, Chatham long. So like, you know, and it's like a 10 foot leader. So this bluefish is in like, you know, three feet of water, like, right. you know, next, right next, to, to, next to the boat, just yeah. waiting. As soon as I get this kite set up, I'm up in the tower, you know, trying to get it up. Cause it was very little wind that day. So I'm feeding <laughs> feeding the kite up and all of a sudden i look down the bluefish is like going crazy like and he's on a tight leash like he's swimming all over the place like literally running into the boat and i'm like i'm i don't even get the words out of my mouth i'm like watch the bluefish and like a six seven hundred pounder comes up from under the boat and like smokes this thing and but like missed it because he came up from under and like kind of rolled the scared last second well he like rolled the bluefish like right he was like came up under the bluefish and like rolled it right over his back and then he went down and i'm watching this whole thing from the tower and he turns around and absolutely demolishes this thing on the second pass and rod literally turns humps over like and peels off for like five seconds Ping! and because it was because he was oh, it was at the pit like you know it yeah, was way strike 10 feet he was locked up and like yeah. this thing just ate two feet from the boat and, and, and i'm sitting there like the bluefish comes up all like just mangled it was completely buried in his gut like just missed the hook completely oh, i'm like God. you've got to be kidding me like yeah. how yeah, you know unbelievable. oh that was such a gun but it was cool like being able to like being up there and see the whole thing it was sick i mean like in hindsight like you see all the like all these ones that you lose, you break off. and Those are the ones you learn from yeah, big time. They're heartbreakers for sure. And like, they're even painful to talk about, but like, right. um, but at the same time you learn a lot from them. And there's just like experiences that like most people are never going to get an opportunity to, right. to see. Like I, I think about that one, like all the fish was like 
you know, when you see a fish next to the boat, right there, he's like, he's his... an hour plus, you know, fight, you know, colors a little bit drained out of him, but this thing was lit up, you know, so black, sick. the black on him was so crazy. It was and sick. awesome, dude. So yeah, it's pretty awesome experience. You're definitely lucky to get to see that kind of stuff. But, uh, and you, like you said, you learn so much, you know, yeah. if I, if we had known like today, the, if you knew what you know now, but back then the rigging and stuff like yeah. that, you would have caught a million, you know, right. and, and same thing. 10 years from now, we're going to look back and say right. like, you know, the things that we knew today, you know, we've evolved like and changed. If you're ever going to leave a bait in the water right beside the boat, just keep the drag somewhat loose. Yeah. Did I always, you know? Maybe not lock it up. I always do that too because you never know. <laughs> I had one with Weber with Jamie that did that. And the uh, swivel was like kind of jammed in the rod tip a little bit. <laughs> and we're sitting there. There's like, you know, this was like the whole couldn't have lead in the water thing up in Canada. Like we pulled the lead out. We literally would pull all the lines out, have lunch keep chumming wouldn't have a line in the water because the fish were getting spooky when you put a line in then like every like 20 minutes we'd try one you know yeah like you just fish around the screen you walk back pin a mackerel or a herring on put it down you either got eaten or not so we had like our kite bait hanging from the rod tip and we're sitting there eating like sausages or something all of a sudden you say we're like what the hell was that and the thing like laid the rod right over and like came shooting back up it was unbelievable so good i had one i will say one thing that's worse i think than uh than the pulling the hook at the boat or chafing them off at the boat and the hearing the the rod shooting back is when you're in the chair and that happens you get catapulted you get, back. You get, you get catapulted back. back, dude. It's like it's toss up. It's not as, no, as it's not as noisy, but yeah. like when you're fighting a fish for a while in the chair and you're like one on one with the thing and you end up losing at the end, it's definitely definitely a heartbreaker. Yeah. I had one with Nick and um, Nick and JP back in 2010. This is when we were fishing a lot of pogies. And uh, we had like a couple fish that week. We had like a 600 on the kite and like an 80 inch or 75 inch on the kite. And we went back, same area, first bait in the water at like six o'clock in the morning. High floater pogey. This one we were fishing like 10 foot leaders yeah. in the balloon, like at the swivel. Right. And like just Those got. Those are the best days, weren't we they? Got oh the, my God. We like did the, we did the like, and we were drifting. So like bait in the water, pull, yeah, you're on. pull, pull, Put pull, the boat in gear. pull away from it, yeah. rip out your top shot, and then work on your kite. And right. then that was like the, that was the game. One floater, one kite. One floater, down. one kite. That, that was, was it. Best. So we got the floater out, and we're like, cl- like s- attaching the kite to the snap swivel on the kite rod, and it just eats it immediately away. Like all I remember is we were immediately backing down really fast. That's yeah. all I remember. So you know, one of those just like uncatchables, right? And same sort of thing as your story, like two, two and a half hours, pinwheels, JP harpoon in the hand, like he's like black back pinwheeling. They're like I feel like you never get those unless like, it's like a sneaky you like back down on them and you harpoon. Like them. when they're doing the like their peck fins coming out of the water on right. the high part of the circle and not their like sickle and tail. Yeah. So you know he's like roof hooked or like something weird. Yeah. You know? And uh I th- I'm pretty sure he was like roof hooked, you know, like super mutu, like right in the like nose, basically. Dude, I must have like 60 pounds of drag, like hand pressure, like stood up in the chair, 130 blank, like doubled over with the, you know, the rods with the fin or guides that he had, like true chair rods, like mm-hmm. broomsticks, like laid over. 
And uh, I'll never forget, like, firing back in the chair and then turning around and Nick, he goes, that was a fucking blast. <laughs> like, he was just, like, it was just one of those fights yeah. where on a twin screw, bro- on a twin screw boat, yeah, in fun. the fighting chair, flat calm, backing down. Yeah. Like, Badass. It's just like Dude, for some a time reason, machine. Oh, it's just unbelievable. As a time were, machine. If there yeah. were 200 boats in the bank and it was grease calm, he would be the only boat that would get a bite. 100%. Don't know why. Yeah. Like, he'd be the only boat and you'd, be, you'd see him and usually it's a bite. on it and be backing down. It'd be grease calm. Like, even trolling. Crazy. Even trolling, grease, like, calm, grease trolling calm days. days on his boat, like trolling, like maybe three to three point two knots. Yeah, he would ba- like the bar like the would ri- almost walk almost underwater because it was going so slow. But we caught the shit out of him on that boat on calm days mm-hmm. on the old boat on the tides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny. No, no question. You learn way more. What do you think's the most one of the most valuable things you've learned from losing a fish? Losing a fish. <laughs> I think one of the most valuable things I've learned is put it to them right away because you're either going to lose them right away or you're going to get them. You know? Yeah. That's a tricky subject because it's like fish dependent. I take that back a little. Like certain bites you know that you could suck. Like when you get those going away bites on a circle hook and you know once he's stuck, you could just lay into him and you know what's in the hand. And a lot of it's leader size. But that like, you know, when they eat and go down and kind of like beside the boat, the weird like circle hook bite when you're reeling to come tight. I always get so nervous putting drag on them right away. I'm not saying right away. I'm saying like an hour in, I definitely have learned to put way more drag on the fish. Yeah. You know, especially if he's like consistent in how he's fighting, like pretty consistent, like no real problem putting, you know, above the button, full drag, hand pressure. Right. Because you either have them hooked good or you don't. I see these guys fighting fish for like, like I, I could see three hours. Maybe three and a half. I'm like a really, really yeah, stubborn one. I agree. But, I agree. But even I, still, dude, you're just not putting enough drag on them. I agree. I agree and I disagree. I think, I think three hours is so way diplomatic. Too way too long. Like uh, an hour and a half. Long. By the time I'm done with an hour and a half, I'm already at 50 pounds. Yeah. You know, two and a half hours, I'm at freaking 65 pounds. Yeah. I mean, three and a half hours, he's either, either broken or already dead. Yeah. You know, tail wrapped. I just think I just think I've learned to put a lot more drag on them at the hour mark. Yeah. Since like right. that's like the the biggest general thing I've learned from losing fish. Yeah. Putting a lot more pressure because they respond to pressure. Hundred percent, especially when they slow down and yeah. they start doing the deep water thing. Yep. I think it's to you know, part like part of what you said is like putting pressure on them, but it's like when you know, like when do you put pressure on them? Like you know that like, you know it's. You think about going for going for a run, you know, like a a person. If you start running hard and then you do a cool down lap and then you can run hard again, like you you know you can extend that. But if someone told you you just you just ran yourself to exhaustion and then they're like, we're gonna keep running, like you're gonna be smoke parachute on you. Yeah. So like when you (laughs) when you smoke a fish and you get them like and they're you gotta keep going. You gotta keep going on them. You can't like you see a lot of guys like they you know that fish you broke that fish you broke him out of his pattern or whatever it might be. You need to hammer down on that fish. You need to you need to get him. You know whether it's get him up, you know closer to the boat. You know just get you know get him tighter so you can get a throw at him or, but break you know break his will like that's part of you know that experience. You know as soon as they're uh, as soon as you get that opportunity to like hammer down on him, that's when you hammer down. And then I'm like. 
I don't mind backing off and, you know, going lighter drag at periods. Like if the fish is doing something weird, like, all right, let him go back out. And then the next time, you know, he settles and you can, you know, work on him, you know, put a lot of pressure on him and then again, hammer down on him yeah. again. Like it's just like the experience of like being on a fish, knowing what they're doing. What are they, you know, what are they, what is he trying to do down there? Is he circling around like figure eights? You know, we had one last year, like that was, you know, he'd make his, he'd make his pinwheel, but on the pinwheel, he'd shoot like on his, uh, outward circle, he'd shoot out away from the boat, you know? And it's like, you have to, you have to hammer down and reverse every time yeah. he comes around, you have to hammer down because every fish is different. Yeah. Right? You have, if you don't, if you let that fish get away from the boat, now it's all you over. A hundred feet. Yeah, you lo- yeah. and you lost him in the pinwheel. Yeah. You need to stay on top of him. Like, right? You know, you want him to. You want that. As soon as he, you know, breaks that outward run and starts to swing back around, you need to be back on top of him. So, it's just stuff like that that you like. You know, fighting a lot of them, you figure out. Um, yeah, it's a product of losing a bunch of them, I guess. Yeah, remember how horrendous the thousand pounder was. Yeah, that one. The thing that. pinwheeled like. It was like 150-yard pinwheels. Dude, I had to free spool under the boat like two or three times just on his pinwheels. It would it would go around a circle. You'd see color the whole time, like far from the boat. Way out. Way out. And then he'd turn at the boat like blackback and then swim 20, 20 miles an hour directly under the boat like blackback. You couldn't, I couldn't speed the boat up fast enough. To get past them like on, on a circle. clearing the corners with free spool two to three times. Crazy. It was over. And then he'd come around the back and he'd back down as fast as he can or else he'd lose 100 yards of line. Yep. And then he'd come around to the side of the boat, turn, and go as fast as he could under the boat like he was trying to cut himself off. Yeah. And, I then, was, and then he'd just die from a heart attack. <laughs> I just going to say. <laughs> he legit died from I know. He did, I, that, like, he did the line. This it, You brought this up a little bit. Like on that fish, you said that, like the line angle was high on his like outward turn on mm-hmm. the circle. This fish, it was like. We're timing it. Like you could see it coming out like a blue marlin about to jump. It's like, all right, we need to be in reverse now because he's probably head away from us. And if you have a good angler and you can keep his head up and yep. like a ton of pressure on him. Get him to the surface. And then they so just kind of roll Then they just, roll over. Then all of a sudden he raise right over and he's right there for yep. you with the harpoon. That's exactly what happened. Except, except when he laid <laughs> over, he was rigor mortis coming Dude, right And the whole top shot was off the reel. Yeah. That he laid over he and we, we, right, just, like, we just back down, back down, back down. And he just we just reeled him and he just slayed on his side and we reeled him to the boat and Brian harpooned him <laughs> eight inches from the boat. It's like a it looked like a sea monster, like a, you know, ridiculous. like because you were backing down. He's literally just up on the surface, just yeah. sitting there. Yeah. It's like you know, you don't see the everything before all the nightmares before, but you just see like yeah. this, you know, stone Flying dead sun. tuna yeah. like up on the surface. You're like, it's it's too easy. How's it? <laughs> it when it happened and we tail roped him, we we're like, oh, that's a you know, that's a 900 plus. And then we were dragging it, and we we're like, holy shit! Dude, you said grander when, right away. When we yeah. got it on the boat, I will never forget this. When we got that fish on the boat, and like it came down on the block and tackle and laid on its side, and the head looked like really small, and then the body, like. It looked like it was just so obese, <laughs> like so fat. And it, it was honestly wide. wasn't that fat. Like it didn't have a lot of fat in it, but it was just the body was so freaking so big. Round, yeah. And and I, him and I looked at each other and like, what the fuck did we just cut? <laughs> you know? And looking back at it now, it was 1100 all day. Yeah. You know? I'm staring at a picture of it right now behind I'm staring actually. at the tail of it. It was 118 inches. That's the tail, right? No, the tail's the tail of his house. house. Oh. 
Well, that's a that's, big, that's that, a big propeller. That propeller is from uh, another nightmare fish with uh, Dave White. That's actually the fish oh next to God. it. Yeah, yeah, and that's a pure example of <laughs> full drag, full dude. drag, and you either get them or you don't. Yeah, you know, that fish was hooked perfectly though. I wasn't oh. getting away. So we've been talking for a while about a lot of random stuff, but it's good. We talked about early season trolling. We've talked about heartbreaks. We've talked about good tuna stories. What do we want to end it on? I think that, you know, that's early season stuff. You know, it's like you guys are a perfect example right now, like getting out rigging your stuff now. Like when it happens, it's going to happen fast, you know? Mm-hmm. So agree. Do, do your, I guess, do your best to be prepared for when it does happen, you know, yeah, because it's going to be It's kind of hard getting stuff right now too with Corona. Yeah. Corona in the mouth. <laughs> yeah. You know, or everywhere. Yeah, Corona exactly. everywhere. No, I agree. Make sure, I mean, people that are looking to get into trolling or getting their stuff ready, just making sure main lines, everything's all squared away, ready to go. Strong terminal gear components. Outriggers. Make sure one, outriggers are One 500 plus pound fish on a bar. It's, pretty much destroyed you know yeah but if you rig it good enough it's at least put back together right you can reuse the squids and maybe the bar yeah no i'm just excited i'm excited to i mean i know it's kind of uh we were thinking about going sunday but yeah the weather's not looking too hot i mean it'd be great troll weather it's northwest 20 yeah it's like ideal troll weather but for like the first day of the season we kind of wanted to like relax a little bit have a nice day out there and actually be able to see stuff right you know so, like a nice like one two foot chop be perfect not agreed. like three to fives agreed and just getting ready for bass because moon in june is tonight and it's i'm thinking gonna next week crazy. is gonna be billingsgate on fire mm. i know there's already fish down there but i think it's like i hope it's the race man i hate that ride from so far. To billingsgate. It's you know? so far so far but i don't know what's gonna go on with the slot limit like is it gonna be worth going all the way there and doing the whole race thing yeah for 40 inches that you can't keep yep but that said i mean we we're we we're stoked and hoping that there'd be a lot of slot limit fish in the river already and we haven't seen it right so are we gonna see it i don't know you know that'll be the next podcast time will tell i guess well that was good i think that was a good spring how long opener. we talked for hour and a half wow it seemed like longer actually yeah Maybe we just bore you or something. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, boys. That was fun. Let's go mix another drink and talk offline. Talk pirate things. Talk pirate things. <laughs> that said, leave you with OG's words of wisdom. Just remember, you can't catch them if you don't have a hook in the water. Always trust your instincts. And the last one, you'll just have to keep listening. Stay tight, mother lickers. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of the Seabros Fishing Podcast. We'd like to take a second to thank our sponsors again, Mass Bay Guides and Deep. If you're interested in booking a charter with us on the Mass Bay Guides boats, you can visit www.massbayguides.com for rates and availability. Um, Call the office at 781-545-6516 to book a trip. If you're interested in how the season's going, what we're catching, how the bite's been, you can follow us on Instagram and on Facebook. Just search Mass Bay Guides and all of our our daily reports and everything will be there. We just want to thank you all for your input 
and feedback to a lot of our latest podcast episodes. We've got some some great uh, responses from our community. We're having a blast doing this. Um, if you have any ideas on guests or topics or anything, we are all ears. We are more than more than happy to entertain any new ideas and and see if we can get this thing to grow even more and, and touch on new things. So um, that would be greatly appreciated as well. If you want to contact us or you know reach out to us or or just check out what we have going on at Seabros Fishing, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Seabros Fishing. You can also visit our personal pages on Instagram, MBG Brian and MBG Taylor. You can direct message us there if you want to just shoot the breeze, talk fishing. You know we're in the same boat as everyone else, so we uh, we can't wait to get going. Um, can't wait to get going with the the 2020 season here and and hopefully it uh, it all comes together despite everything that we're all going through currently so um with that said thank you all very much for listening stay safe stay healthy and stay tight